0: expected to be doing today because I had something else um, ready for for Sunday today, <clears throat> but that didn't happen. So I'm going to try and get through this without coughing or, you know, sneezing all over the place, and um, just bear with me. Uh, let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. I thank you, Lord God, for everyone who is going to come on and, and watch this Facebook Live, and uh on the spotify listen to the sermon on the spotify account i thank you lord god for everyone who sows into our the church in in general not just my church but all churches that that you're sowing seeds that are making a difference in the world um lord i pray for blessings to be upon acts of grace church i pray lord god that you would bless Mario Morillo Ministries as they move to the next uh, event. And I pray, Lord God, that you would be with me as I bring this message. Lord God, put a watch over my mouth lest I sin against you and speak something that you would not want me to say. I thank you, Lord, for the message that you have put upon my heart as this is a difficult sermon for me. Be with me, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, today the sermon is on women should be in ministry. There's a myth that women um, are not supposed to be pastors and leaders, and it is based out of 1 Timothy 2. This happens to me. This happens to me frequently. God called me in 2017 to be a preacher. I did not choose this. I didn't, you know, one day wake up as an 18-year-old fresh-faced and say, Oh, I think I'm going to go to seminary and become a preacher so that I can uh, be treated badly (laughs) for doing so. Um, No. God called me and said, I want you to be a preacher. That's why I am doing what I'm doing. It's not because I wanted to. It's because I had to, because he asked me to. So I'm just going to approach this head on, and I want to be honest that I don't know everything, but here's the things that I found from my research. So First Timothy 2, 8-15 says, Therefore, I want the men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I also want the women to dress modestly, with decency and propriety, adorning themselves not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. I have so many problems with this. (laughs) Okay, so let's start with the first cursory uh, issue that I have with this the way that this is written. If you do a surface reading, you end up with a theological problem. So, <clears throat> the, 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 the first problem that I have with this is, is that are, are not women saved by grace through faith? As Paul says, of all believers in Ephesians 2, 8-10. So, why would he say that they are saved through childbearing so I think that we read this and we we read it wrong so there are other logical problems with a service level reading Uh, Paul tells women to learn in quietness and full submission in the worship service thus refraining from teaching and elsewhere he expects that women will prophesy during worship yet prophecy is both vocal and includes a teaching component and that you would find that in uh, 1 Corinthians 11 5 uh, 1 Corinthians 14 1 through 8 <clears throat> and so how can a woman prophesy and so edify others publicly when she is also expected to remain quiet so this indicates that Paul's instructions are not universal and absolute but contextual and time-bound and this information is not from me it is actually the, the, the information that I'm telling you right now is actually from um, a seminary professor uh, Patrick Franklin sorry I had to look at my notes um, so this is not these are not my ideas these are just things that I he wrote it well so I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna give him credit and say this is I, I believe that what he's writing So there's a whole lot that he says, but one of the other problems that we have, that Paul is not writing in general a a general universal treatise on women in the church. Rather, he is giving particular context-based instructions to women in Ephesus, the location of Timothy's church, in order to address a larger issue or a set of issues. The larger issue is his main concern and purpose for his writing, and the immediate context for Paul's instructions involves two important details. One, the presence of false teaching. So there was false teachers in the church. And it was leading to the second problem, which was arising in the church's worship gathering, leading to division and other harmful consequences. The other the another issue that that um This professor had was Paul says nothing in 1st Timothy 2 about women being subordinate to men in a general sense so he quotes Worthington and says what verses 11 speaks about is learning quietly and so being in submission to the teaching and what is being required of the listener So the main problem is the false teaching, not the gender of the person doing the teaching. It is very likely that there were women in the Ephesus church who were voicing false teachings. They are being instructed to be quiet and to listen to the authoritative teaching of the church and its gospel. Now the third issue that, that arose was the women Paul is addressing is likely high status Gentile women who have recently become Christians and members of the Ephesian church. Notice that verses 9-10 through through concerning modest dress for women assume that these women have the means to adorn themselves with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Some of these high-profile and wealthy women may have formerly been priestesses or prophetesses in their former pagan religion and at least some of them were educated and had skills in rhetoric given their background they may have assumed that they should naturally take leadership and teaching roles within the church without first having been adequately trained biblically theologically mentored or discipled and spiritually formed through christian worship and spiritual disciplines in the context of the christian community i'm sorry voices messing up the women in ephesus was being the, the women sorry the women in ephesus were being banned from teaching and leadership not because they were women but because they were not ready not adequately trained for the job and given their status they were used to people to being people of influence and their values it is important to be rich and to appear affluent in their culture It seems that they lacked both knowledge of the Christian faith and humility and self-awareness to recognize their lack. Many of these high-status women probably had male slave servants and were now worshiping with them in the Christian church. The kind of authority they were used to exercising over them was no longer fitting in the context of Christian worship and community. Now, there's other issues. So Worthington also points to the rabbinic tradition. Some early Jewish commentators noticed that God's initial instructions not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil are given first to Adam, directly to him only. I want that to be pointed out, directly to him only, as Eve had not been created yet. The rabbis reasoned that Eve was vulnerable to deception by the serpent because Adam had not instructed her well enough concerning the ban. That was Genesis 3, 2-3. <clears throat> Might lend support to this theory because it records Eve misquoting the original ban when speaking to the serpent. So you can find those th- that issue in Genesis 2:16 through 17 and Genesis 3, 2-3. So in light of this, Worthington suggests that Paul is pointing <clears throat> in citing the false story that people who are not adequately trained and taught should not be in a position to lead and teach others, which is absolutely true. The women in Ephesus whom Paul bans from teaching are not banned because they are women, but because they are deceived by false thinking due to their lack of Christian education and training. Now, Paul does not say, I never permit women to teach or have authority over a man. Although he could have. The language was there, but he didn't. And he could have said, I will never permit women to teach. But he didn't say that. So we have to keep these things in mind when we look at 1 Timothy 2, 8-15. Now, in the Greek, it reads more like to, to me because I look at the interlinear Bible. I will go back. If I am not understanding something, I will go back and i look at the interlinear Bible, which it goes from the Greek or the Hebrew or the Aramaic to the English. And so, and most of the New Testament is in Greek. And so, I go back to the interlinear and when the way it reads to me was... That I am not allowing a woman. <clears throat> so one, Paul is not using the plural for women. In this sentence, he is saying a woman. So I'm wondering if, I'm maybe it made me wonder: was there one particular woman that was that was causing a problem, or was he making a generalization and just not using the plural? Two, Paul does not use the word never, which he could have. And if he was making a, a broad statement, he should have. But he was not. It was specifically for this church. Because here's the other thing. So 1 Corinthians 14, 34 through 35 says the women should be kept should should keep silent in the church, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission, as the law also says. If there is anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Here's the problem with that. Earlier in 1 Corinthians, uh, it's 1 Corinthians 11.5, says, But any woman who prays or prophesies with her head unveiled disgraces her head. It is one and the same thing as having her head shaved. So do you see how it's the language that they're using that is the problem? Because here in in 1 Corinthians, there's a direct contradiction. That doesn't mean that there is an error. It means that there's a contradiction, which is completely different. It means that we don't understand why he said exactly the way he said it, other than these women were Prophesying, we believe that these women were prophesying over each other, and interpreting and interpreting other prophets. So, I've heard this passage is also about speaking in tongues, but I would remind you that uh, the there were women in the upper room who received tongues. They were there were women that Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus was definitely there she's named as one of the 120 that were in the upper room that received holy spirit and prophesied in tongues okay so 1st Timothy 3:12 reads in the greek let deacons be one man one woman i'm bringing up the deacons thing because we're talking about women in ministry and that we are one allowed to speak, and two we prophesy, and three we can be deacons. Now, what is a deacon? <clears throat> in this scripture, in the Greek, it's de- deaconus, which is plural, and it means deacons, ministers, servants. But where we get the word deacon from? This is probably from the. This is the definition that it gives you in the, in the in the in the word. Probably from an obsolete deacon, an attendant, waiter, but it's especially used as a Christian teacher and pastor, technically a deacon or deaconess, deacon, servant, minister. Okay. Now, that word, deaconess, is used three times in the word as deacon, seven times as minister, and nineteen times as servant or servants, but I want you to understand that this is there's another word for servant that can be used, and it, it, the definition for that one was slave. So when Paul says I am a slave, he was using the same word, not not diaconus, but the the one that means slave. Okay. <clears throat> now in Romans 16, 1 through twelve it says. I commend you, I, I, I'm sorry, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. Now, I'm reading this in the King James Version. There's a reason. I'm going to read it to you in King James, and then I'm going to read it to you in ESV. So, in King James, it says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Centria, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist in assist her in whatever business she hath need of you for she has been a sucker or a sucker of many most people don't know what that means and of myself also so a sucker in old english means helper but if you look in the greek the word that is used for sucker is prostatus which means protector it means female guardian or protector and also patron so protector and helper are completely different things completely different things and I'm gonna say this King James had an agenda and that's fine I use all versions of the Bible I use the Bible app so I'm able to flip through to any version of the Bible that I want to look at and I often read many different ones but the main source that I use is an interlinear Bible that is online where you can read it from the original text and get a better clearer picture of what is being said now I want to go back to the word that he uses that the King James uses where he calls Phoebe a servant that word in the Greek is diakonin deaconess she was a deacon she was a minister and they used it as servant. Because it saw it's, it's they were using it wrong. <laughs> and then they called her a supper. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I King James was a chauvinist. It's true. It really was. Now, if we read Romans 16, 1 through 12 in ESV, it also calls her a servant. But I wanna remind you that not all versions of the Bible call, call her a servant. She's called a deacon in some, some translations because the, word, the root word that was being used was deacon. And it says, I commend you to our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Centuria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. I also want to say this. Beware of any doctrine or religion that tells you that you can only use one Bible. The reason why is because you should be allowed to look back at the Greek and use other Bibles as resources, other translations as resources, especially the interlinear Bible, which will take you back to the original text because if you are using... A version of the Bible that they don't want and they don't want you to look at any others there's a problem with that there's a problem with there's a religious spirit over that and the, the one that comes to mind the most is Jehovah's Witnesses they've changed the King James version of the Bible to suit their needs and they say that it is better and it is not and and I have a problem with people who say you can only use the King James Version no, no I would like to go back to the interlinear and look at the original version. I want to see what it really said and what it really meant if you if you can do that and you have the ability to do that, I totally believe in doing that i have I also have the Bible app. I look at it in d- different ways, and I think that you should i it makes me leery it makes me it makes me wonder what you're trying to hide if you're telling me that I can only use one version of the Bible because it's the only one that wasn't translated over and over and over again. That's not true. It was translated the way King James wanted it translated, and he had an agenda. I'm going to move on to Acts 18, 24 through 28, which is another proof that I want you to see. So, 18 Acts 18 says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man. Competent in the scriptures, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to boldly to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla, that's a woman, and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God. They, they, and Priscilla was named first because she was the strong, it is said in the notes that she was considered the stronger of the two spiritually. So here we have a woman teaching a man who was teaching the word wrongly. Just want to put that out there. Now, <clears throat> Galatians three twenty-eight. There is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free there is no man no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus all doesn't matter what your gender is it doesn't matter what your color is it doesn't matter what um, religion whether you're a Jew or a Greek whether you're a Jew or a Gentile we are all one in Christ Jesus and it all it all comes down to whether or not you've been educated in in the word of God or not. So new Christians, no, you shouldn't be a pastor. You you need to go and learn. Get some education. Acts 2:17 through 18. In the last days, God says, "I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your, old, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, the word servants here is the word that I was talking about. It's dulas and dulaz and it means male servants or slaves, and female servants or slaves This is what the word that Paul used when he was saying I am a slave to Christ <clears throat> Because it's also I'm a, I'm a servant to Christ Acts 21 8 through 9 but I want you to see that all people it didn't matter if you were slave if you were free if Whoever you are female male You can prophesy will prophesy. This is what this was it was in Joel and then now Luke is quoting Joel in Acts. Acts 21, but it was Peter that said this, by the way. I, I just want to put that out there. He was, this is was when he was doing his speech after he had received Holy Spirit. Acts 21, 8 through 9. On the next day they departed and came to Caesarea. We entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Okay, Romans two six through eleven. He will render to each one according to his works. His the word his here is not his. It's it's not it's the it's actually supposed to be them. It's a and it's the Greek word for them. It's the plural. So he will render to each one to their works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. I wanted, I'm reading these, I read these scriptures to you for a reason. So to all my women out there that are struggling with the idea of ministry or have been told that you can't be a pastor. Because I don't like hitting these things head on. I, I, I would rather and I have never addressed this before. I got called in twenty seventeen to be a pastor and I have never addressed this publicly. Because I would rather let you just look stupid. I don't I don't I'm not one of those ones that are gonna Argue with you. I don't care if I don't care if you don't agree with me, but for all of you women out there Who get called to ministry, you 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 know if God's called you you know that He has put something in your heart. I just want you to be Encouraged today to know that God loves you and he sees you and Don't let anybody tell you that you don't have what it takes, okay? I would not have addressed this if God had not said, I want you to address this because I recently ran into this issue again. Again. And I don't have a problem with ignoring it and walking away, but the Lord really put it upon me. I want you to address this. This is important to me so here I am and I hate being on camera and I hate um, being on Facebook and and I'm doing it anyway because God said so because I have a calling in 2020 I don't know if you can see it back here this that is a destiny board I was in prayer and the Lord this came down in a vision and it came so fast that I had to. I was sitting there writing stuff down. I was like, oh my goodness. And it felt like to me that it, the Lord just, it, there it was. All of a sudden. And I wasn't praying for anything. I wasn't praying. I was like, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just show me what you want me to do. And this is what I got. It was January of 2020. And the center of it. It's the church. Acts of Grace Church. And there's many other things that are around it that He wants He wants to build with me. But I have to be obedient to Him and do what He asks me to do, and He'll bring these things to pass. And I am standing in that. He wants the church to be a community. Each one of these things is an offshoot of the church where there's a rehab center. I don't know if you can see it. There's gonna be a rehab center, and in the re- beside the rehab center is going to be a daycare and dorm for their children because I don't want anybody to go, and the Lord doesn't want anybody to have to go to rehab and not be able to have their children close by. Because if their children are close by and they're being well taken care of by the church, then they can get the help that they need. Now, the rehab is going to be, of course, Christian-led. It's not going to be one of those. Um, there's going to be deliverance. There's, there's going to be deliverance sessions, and there's going to be um, medical staff and things like that. This is what the Lord showed me. And I don't know when it's going to come or how it's going to come, but I know it's going to come. Because the Lord said it. He showed it to me. This is what I'm this is what I'm fighting for. This is what I am moving towards. I'm sharing this with you because I want you to understand God has a dream for each of us, whether you're a woman or a man, and he doesn't give you anything or call you to anything that he's not going to equip you for. Amen. Alright. I don't know how to turn this stuff off. So I'm gonna try and figure out how to turn this off. And um, I'm going to close in prayer and see if we don't get out of this. And thanks for sticking with me. If you've watched the whole video, praise God. (laughs) I pray you have a, a great day. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, for this message. I thank you, Lord God, that you got me through it. And I thank you, Lord God, for everybody who watches here. Lord bless them. With more than enough. Bless them for their faithfulness. Bless them, Lord, through all that they are walking through. And Lord, if there is any on here that are struggling, I pray that you would give them peace and knowing that they are doing your work, your will. And that they should not struggle with who they are and and they should just rest in knowing that you have brought them to the place that they are if they are working with you, they are praying with you, they are in relationship with you, that you have them in your hand. Bless our church, Lord. Bless us with growth. (coughs) I thank you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a great day.